0: I couldn't handle Get ready for a battle Cause you know I was born for this was Today we're going to look At the ultimate builder, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many know that you know that you know that He's at work in your life today? He's building your life this morning. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He's good. We're going to look at this thing called stress, something that you know nothing about, I'm sure. I think we all can relate to this thing called stress, and I'm going to look at how did Jesus handle stress? How did he cope with stress? And I'm going to be honest with you today. This message really is for me. If I was standing here all alone, I'd be preaching this to me today because I know many of these principles. We're going to look at Jesus' principles of stress management. I put them into practice, and some of them I have not been following them too well lately. And stress Happens. So, how did Jesus handle stress? And what are some of the leading causes of stress in our lives? And you know, there's some things that are no-brainers. You know, the death of a loved one, that's going to cause some real stress in your life. And some of you know more about that than, than others, different degrees of that. And You know, I've experienced some of that in the last few months of my father passing. But, you know, in our scenario, it was good. 93, he was ready to go. It was a good case scenario, but yet there's an element there. He's not here. Parenting. How many parents here today would say there's some stress involved in parenting? Yeah. Some of you are just kind of waving at me here. Four kids under five years of age. Or four kids under 20 years of age, and they're teenagers. So you've got toddlers, preschoolers, kindergartners, stress. You've got teenagers, stress. There can be stress in parenting. Relationships, there's stress. And there's job stress, and there's loss of a job, and there's financial stress, and there's getting married can be stressful, or marriage can be stressful. Illness, injuries, moving Changing locations can be stressful. And on and on the list can go, the scenarios that can involve stress. So how do I cope with stress? Uh, We live in this stress-filled world, and we all know this phrase, I'm all stressed out. You know, we say things like that, but sometimes I think when we say things like that, we kind of put a declaration on our life if we're not careful. So I want you to think about it today. We're, we're, we're stepping into the Christmas season and we're thinking about this Jesus and he comes down from glory, a babe in a manger. But when you think about Jesus. He encountered stress and he lived a stress-filled life. He was constantly under pressure. There were grueling demands on his time. He rarely had any personal privacy. He was constantly interrupted. People misunderstood him, criticized him, ridiculed him. He had enormous stress, I believe, which would have caused any of us to cave in. And so, we're going to look at, you know, his principles of stress management. So, what causes you to stress? I well, want you think about that a minute. What causes you to stress? How do you handle stress? Or does stress handle you? That's what we're going to look at today. Stand with me, if you would, and take your Bible... So how are we going to cope with stress? How are we going to handle stress today? I believe we can do it in Jesus' name. Tell your neighbor, we can do it. Come on, we can do it. How many have found out that even the Christmas holiday season can bring some stress with? Boy, one hand went up right away. Yeah. It's not supposed to be that way, is it? I want you to enjoy this season. I want to enjoy this season. I want us to really experience the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and have a wonderful Christmas season. It doesn't have to be stressed out. It doesn't have to be. So let's take our Bibles, or our apps, and let's believe God's going to just say some things to us today. It's going to help us this morning and, and do some work in our lives if we allow Him to do that. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever living of the word of God, and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Receive that today. So you have your uh, handouts. Write some things down. I'm going to encourage you. Remember things that we write down. Use the app this morning, the notes. But uh, we look at this today, so how can I cope with stress? And we're going to see how Jesus handled stress and his principles of stress management. So we're just going to move right along. Here's the first principle. Number one, identification. Identification. Know who you are. Know who you are. We see some things Jesus said. We see John 8:12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said in John 10, 9, I am the door. John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said in John 10:11, I am the good shepherd. In John 10:36, I am the Son of God. You see, Jesus knew who he was, and that's the principle, as I said, uh, of identification. It'll reduce stress in your life. Know who you are. The thing is, if you don't know who you are, someone else will try to tell you who you ought to be. If you don't know who you are, you'll let other people manipulate you and pressure you in being to somebody that you're not, someone that you don't want to be. And then at times, too much stress comes in life, Because we like to wear masks at times, or put on masks at times. Uh, We're unreal, we're not genuine, and we try to be someone that we're not. So it comes from insecurity. If you don't know who you are, you're going to be insecure. And insecurity is going to produce in our life pressure to perform and then to conform. We set unrealistic standards for our lives. And we work, and we work, and we work, and... We can't meet those unrealistic standards. Tension and pressure, they occur because we have these unrealistic standards and there's pressure and there's tension in our lives. So the first way we want to balance stress is to have this internal balance of who I am. I know who I am because I know whose I am. Write that down. I know who I am because... I know whose I am. And we're going to do a sermon series in the new year. And one sermon series, this is going to be identity crisis. When you know who you are, it'll reduce stress in your life. I want to say that again. I know who I am by knowing whose I am. I know who I am by knowing whose I am. You need to see that. I am a child of God. I was made by him and for him. I was put on this earth for a purpose. I am deeply loved by God. I'm accepted by him. He has a plan for my life. And because he put me here, I am significant. Jesus knew who he was. Who are you? Who are you? I just told you. Amen? Amen. Who are you? You were made by God and for God. I'm a child of God. I have a plan and a purpose from God for my life. I am significant because God planned me and He made me. And because I am significant by God, I am deeply loved by God. God is for me, not against me. I am a child of God. Amen? Amen. 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 And that's why we talk about this celebration service of New Beginnings on December 29th. And I would encourage you, if you have not gone public with your faith and saying it's your desire to follow Jesus Christ, that that you've accepted Him as your Savior, water baptism, it's really going to help identify you. You go public and say, I love Jesus. I, I, I don't have it all figured out, but I want to follow him. I want his life to be in me and him to live his life through me. Go public with your faith, December 29th, get water baptized. And some of you, and this happens at times, you may have been water baptized as a child and, 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 and you have not really been intentionally living for Christ for some time or a number of years. I want to encourage you, December 29th, I want you to sign up and go public with your faith. And it's going to solidify you and secure you and set you on the track and on the road that I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. This is who I'm living for. It's going to make a great difference. Secondly, we see dedication. Know whom you're trying to please. We see Jesus, he says in John 5 verse 30, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but him, him who sent me. How many's found out you can't please everyone? How many's found out sometimes you can't please yourself? By the time you get this group, you're trying to please them, get them happy, you've made this group unhappy over here. You can't please everyone. Even God doesn't please everyone. So it's foolish to try to do something that God doesn't even do. He doesn't please everyone. There's a lot of people walking around, and they're unhappy with God and angry at God, and they're disappointed in God. It's not God's fault, but we're foolish when we try to do something that God doesn't even do. Jesus knew who he trying to please. It was a subtle issue with him, and he said this, I'm going to please God, my Father. And when he went into the Jordan River, the waters of baptism, what did we hear from God the Father in Matthew 3, 17? He replies, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When he said, I'm going to please the Father, that pleased the Father. When you don't know whom you're trying to please, we're going to cave in to three things. First of all, criticism. Nobody likes to be criticized. It isn't fun to be criticized. If you enjoy criticism, you're sick. We need to pray for you, but no one enjoys criticism. But you see, we're going to cave into criticism because you're concerned about what other people think about you. And then here's the second big C word, competition. You're going to cave in because you worry about whether somebody else is getting ahead of you. So there's criticism, there's competition, and there's conflict because you're threatened, when somebody disagrees with you. And Jesus gives us a verse for this, I believe, and it's a great verse, Matthew 633 33. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. But seek first, most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after His kingdom and righteousness, His way of doing and being right. Well, that's important right there. The attitude and character of God and all these things will be given to you also. What does this mean? It means if I focus on pleasing God, it's going to simplify my life. How many of you like to have your life simplified right here? Come on. If, this is what I'm talking about. This is a stress reliever right here. If I focus on pleasing God, this will simplify my life. I'll always be doing the right thing and the thing that pleases God. If I focus on pleasing God in my marriage, if I focus on pleasing God in my career, if I focus on pleasing God at school, if I focus on pleasing God, that thing, it will please God regardless of what anyone thinks. And if we're not careful... We all do this. We love to blame our stress on people, other people. We don't like to say that, but we like to blame somebody. Somebody has to be at fault. It's not going to be me, right? We want to blame somebody. You, you made me. I have to. Well, actually, there are just a few things in life that we must do. When we say things like, I have to, I must, I've got to, I'm actually saying I choose to because I don't want to pay the consequences. When we get under pressure, we're choosing to allow other people to put us under pressure. We're not victims unless we allow ourselves to be victims. Amen? Say it with me. I'm not a victim. I'm not. We allow ourselves at times. Organization, know what you're trying to accomplish we look at John chapter 8, verse 14. Jesus says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. Unless you plan your life and set priorities, other people will do it for you. Every day, you're either going to live by principles or pressure. I want to live by principles and not pressure. You must decide what's important in your life. Stop Living under the tyranny of the urgent. Busyness is not necessarily productivity. I know that for a fact. I found that out myself. I experienced this. Busyness isn't necessarily productivity. How many have found that out before? Man, you're going and you're going. I'm working and I'm working and I'm working. Wow, wow, look at... I don't think I've gotten anything accomplished here. Wow, I'm tired. This day isn't even over yet. There's more to go. You see, busyness doesn't mean productivity. Preparation prevents pressure, but procrastination produces pressure. Look at your day. See, this is a practical message. Look at your schedule. Look at your week and ask, is this the way I want to spend my days? Is this the way I want to spend my week? Is this the way I want to spend my month? Is this the way I want to spend my life, in fact? Is this it? What's important? what's eternal? Those are the questions you need to ask. What am I really living for? And then we see this thing called concentration. Focus on one thing at a time. And we're very, 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 very bad at that. Yes, I'm wagging my finger at you. Focus on one thing at a time. And most of us are bad at this. Numerous times people tried to get Jesus detoured from his planned schedule. They tried to distract him from his golden life. We see in Luke chapter 4, 42. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. And here's Jesus' response. Here it is. Here's our Savior's response, the lover of our soul, verse 43. I must preach the kingdom of God to those other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. He's the master of concentration. He's the master of focus. Everyone tried to interrupt him at times. Everyone had a plan for him, but he kept moving forward with his goal. He was determined. He concentrated his efforts. We hear so much about people's ability, here's this word, to multitask. Some of you think you're amazing at it. And people say, statistics or whatever, women are better at it than men, and they let us know about it (laughs) on a regular basis. I'm not that good. I got to do one thing, and I get that box completed, I go to the next box. It's not spaghetti, it's boxes. And I'm just gonna tell you, sometimes women get the spaghetti thing going. It's all out there, and I'm on this box. And when this box is finished, I get to this box. When this box is finished, and you think you're really doing well at multitasking, I think sometimes you're under great pressure and you're frustrated. There's so much out there. But I can only do one thing at a time. As I said, Teresa's much better at it than I am. And I hate to say this, but we can learn lessons from our pets. You know that? I've watched my dog, Rocky. He's a Jack Russell Fox Terrier, and he loves to chase rabbits. And sometimes he catches rabbits. Freaks my wife out a little bit, but he catches these rabbits. But I've noticed they live under our deck. They haven't figured out they're dumb bunnies. (laughs) That a dog lives here and he chases them. They live under the deck. They come out. He sees two rabbits. He can't get two rabbits. He has to stay focused on one, and when he focuses on one rabbit, sometimes he's able to accomplish his task and catch that one rabbit. Teresa's getting grossed out. I'm cheering him on. (laughs) Yeah, way to go, and I'm clapping for my dog, and I'm this big idiot in the backyard, but you know, See, you got to stay focused and it's easy to go all these different directions and and there's a lot going on, man, but we have goals and and we have meetings and we have counseling and we have studies and we're doing the Pittsburgh campus and there's people in the hospital. See, Jesus didn't allow interruptions to prevent him from his goal. And this is a thing that, that just amazes me. He allowed the interruptions even to enhance his goals and accomplish his goals. And the things that we look at as interruptions and getting us off course and off track and frustrated and upset, he used them to his benefit. And when you begin to read the Gospels, you begin to see what looks like an interruption is a miracle in the making. He shows up and does wonders. And so sometimes we need to see how did Jesus use these things? He focused. He didn't allow himself to get stressed or irritated I know that's something you know nothing about. I'm preaching to myself. Stressed or irritated, but he stayed the course. The course. Delegation, don't do it all yourself. And that's why we have that phrase, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. We see in Mark chapter 3, 13 and 14, and he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those that he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And we know seven is a number of perfection. Twelve is a governmental number, a ruling number. And one of the big reasons we can get uptight and stressed out is because we think it all depends on us. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. I have to be there. I have to accomplish this. It all depends on, I'm responsible. Yeah, it all depends on me. Yeah, I have to hold everything up. If I don't, it's going to fall apart. I'm Mr. Atlas. I'm just holding that world up. I remember that picture right there. It's all, nobody remembers that? Seen that before? Yeah, it's all on me. Really? 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 See, Jesus enlisted and he called and trained 12 disciples so they could share the load. He delegated the work. We see Jesus got other people involved. And so why don't we get other, more people involved? Why don't we delegate more? Why don't we give it away? Why do we keep trying to do it all ourselves? Well, I think there's some reasons to that. And you may find one of these that fit your situation or where, you're at, where you are at, but why don't we do that? And I'm really trying to do that. I'm trying to give more away, give more away. I'm trying to give it away. I can't do it all. But one reason is perfectionism. If I want the job done right, I'm going to have to do it myself, right? How many people like that are out there? Well, if we be honest, we've all been there at times. Yeah, but it doesn't really work because there's too many things to do, to get done. It's been said, and I heard this recently, if someone can do it 60% as well, let them do it. We have trouble with that. If someone can do it 60% as well, let them do it. And I thought about that. Jesus called the 12, he delegated them, he sent them out to what? Preach. They were preaching the good news, the kingdom, while Jesus was still on planet earth. He sent them out to preach. If someone can do it, 60% as well, let them do it. Do you think Jesus could do a better job than the 12? Come on, everybody put your hand up right now. Right? Jesus, of course he could. Jesus can do a better job than every one of us, but he's called us. Delegation. But he let them do it. They made some mistakes. Yeah. It's okay to make mistakes. I want you to be comfortable with that. It's okay to make mistakes. It's called an education. We're not going to learn unless we receive an education and we're educated through our mistakes. We should be learning through our mistakes. I remember our our, our boys now are 31 and 37, married, both of them with children, three children apiece. We have six great-grandchildren, six grandchildren that are great, I should say. That's what I'm trying to say. But as they were growing up and even young adulthood, there were times that my wife thought, Teresa, this lovely, brilliant, multitasking woman that's with kids right now, ministering, but you know, we need to do this, or maybe we need to help them here, or maybe we need to help them here. And I look back, we were great helpers, but there were times I needed to let them receive an education, and I could not rescue them because they needed to learn some lessons along the way, and if I rescue them, they wouldn't learn the lesson they needed to learn, and they needed to have that education and graduate that course, and so they can move on in their life. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And that's what parenting is all about. That's what God is doing with us at the very same time. There's another reason we don't delegate. delegate. It's called insecurity. What if I turn this over to them, and they do a better job than me? Hallelujah, I'm at that point now in life, praise God. (laughs) But what if they do a better job than, than I do? But if you know who you are, and you are secure, you know what you want to accomplish. You want to be effective, and you will get others involved. Because we really can't do more than one thing well at a time. And we say it, I'm going to say it again, teamwork makes the dream work. And here's the other one, we're better together we really are tell your neighbor we're better together you see god's called me and teresa and we lead this ministry but it's not about me it's not about teresa i can't do it all alone and i know more and more every day there's no way i'm gonna try to do this all alone we're only going to succeed and be effective and influential and reach people for the kingdom of God. And I'm very renewed, passionate about that this Christmas season, that it's going to take all of us living for Jesus, worshiping Jesus, inviting people to the house of God to make this dream work. We're better together. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you while well, I'm talking about that. We have invitation cards. we want you to... Invite some people to be in God's house this Christmas season. Christmas Eve, 4 and 6 o'clock, I want to see the house packed. And it usually is Christmas Eve. But we have these opportunities. There's some natural opportunities that people will come to church. And usually it's Christmas and Easter. Instead of criticizing that, let's capitalize on that. Amen? Let's get them here. Let's get them experiencing the presence of God. Let's let them experience this wonderful Savior, Jesus. I, I, I want to see people knowing who Jesus really is. Amen? And we have that opportunity to do that, to pack the house, get, get about 1,200 people here, finding out who Jesus really is, and then meditation. Make a habit of prayer. Make a habit of personal prayer. Eastern religions have perverted this. This is a biblical concept. We see Mark. Chapter 1, verse 35, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So this a principle of meditation. As I said, it's biblical. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. How many's been worrying about something lately? You would say, yeah, I'm honest. What do you do? You think about that over and over and over again. I'm not going to think about that. I'm just not going to think about that. And you think about it over and over again. You lie down at night to go to sleep, and you're quiet, and you're still there, but you begin to think about it over and over again. Now, what is meditation, biblical meditation? Uh, you know, uh, prayer is a gigantic stress reliever. In other words, it says, set your mind on things above. Allow God's Word. To captivate your thoughts, where you begin to think about His Word, His promises, God, who He is, over and over and over again. It's a great reliever of stress through prayer. It's a tool of letting go of your anxieties. Know how. No matter how busy Jesus was, no matter how busy he got, he made this practice that he would spend time alone with God the Father. He enjoyed it. It was a lifeline. He felt better after praying. How many want to do something you enjoy? How many would like to feel better in life? I want to tell you try praying, spending time alone with God. He was busy. He was busy. I have a goal. I have to accomplish this in a little over three years. I must preach in this city, in this city, in this city, in this city. I have to train these 12 guys. I have to set them up for when I leave. He was busy, and yet we see Jesus took time every day to spend time with God the Father. He needed it. It was necessary. If Jesus had to pray, how much more do I think I need to pray? I need to pray. Tell your neighbor, you need to pray. Yeah, if it was important to Jesus, I'm going to say spend some time, talk to him, tell him what's going on in your life, listen to him, read his word. There's a song we used to sing when I was a kid. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear these burdens alone. I, I got to tell Jesus. Be quiet and be still. And that's where a lot of problems come from, because we have a problem of being quiet and being still. Why? I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. Uh Uh-uh, I better check. What's going? Somebody just sent me a text, really. They know I'm preaching right now. Why would they do that? what's a matter for you? <laughs> I'm going to text him back when I'm finished here. <laughs> but we start to pray. I got to check out my emails. I got to check out if there's any text. Is there a voicemail? I got to check out social media. You see, we get busy with all, I have to have the TV on. I got to do this. Oh, oh, oh. All of a sudden, you start to spend time with Jesus. That to-do list really comes into your mind, doesn't it? I need to be working. I need to call them. You see, we have trouble being still and being quiet. And and, and God says, this is the way I can show up in your life. Psalm 46.10, be still. And then you're going to know, and then you're going to know that I'm really God. You're going to know who I am and realize who I am. When you're still and quiet, I will show up in your life. And there's another... uh, uh, avenue, or I should say another aspect to prayer. We're gathering on Monday nights. It, man, if, if you're not serving somewhere in a group and and it, your schedule permits, right here, Monday night, we we have a guide to prayer, we have scriptures we're praying, we have a focus every night, and we're being led through prayer, but I want you to know we show up, there's power in prayer, there's time well spent, about an hour in the presence of God, and then we pray all over this sanctuary, and we pray for needs, and we pray for each other, but God shows up in prayer. When we give God time, He's going to reveal himself to us. I want to know him. How many say, I want to know him? You can't know him unless you spend time with him. We'll get to really know who God is when we get quiet and still. Number seven, and I'm almost wrapping this up. I like this one. Recreation. Take time to enjoy life. I'm failing in this area. I am. That's why there's these sayings that show up in our culture. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, doesn't it? Well, that's a nickname for John, and I'm getting kind of dull. i got to play. i got to do some things here lately. So anyway, there, there's tr- and that's truth for you, and that's truth for me. Mark six thirty one, and he said to them, the 12 disciples, come aside by yourselves to desert a place and rest for a while. There were many coming and going, and they did not even, look at this, you think you're busy? I think we've all been there. We could all say this, and they didn't even have time to eat. How many found yourself there? Come on, is that a, that's a bad place to be. I realized the other day, I'm eating standing up. I'm eating in the car. I'm eating walking away. That's not taking time to eat. They didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus is teaching the principle of relaxation and recreation, he looked at his guys. He looked at his men. He looked at his friends. They had been working hard. They had been working hard with people, and people are wonderful, but we as people, we could all be demanding, and they, they were trying to minister, and they were preaching the word, and they're trying to meet needs, and these guys were tired. They were emotionally, and they were spiritually spent, and they were drained. And Jesus looked at them and says, we need to get away. You need a break. You need some R&R rest and relaxation. They got into a boat. They went to the other side of the lake. They went to, it says, an unpopulated place, a people-free zone. And I love people. We've done these personality and temperament tests, or call them tests or evaluation, whatever you want to call them. And um, they're amazing reveals. If you have never done that, I didn't believe in them, I believe in them now. Because you do them so fast, they're honest answers, and it reveals really who you are, if you're married, who your spouse is, so you know who each other, you know, why does she do that? Or why does he do, well, here's why. Why do I do that? You know, and it reveals that we're both uh, strong leaders, we're both extroverts, we both love people, we should have killed each other a long time ago, but for the grace of God, and... and (laughs) yeah how do you make your marriage work Jesus 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 and you love each other but you know who each other are I'm going to tell you in our marriage when we stopped competing and we used to compete and we started complimenting each other it began to work somebody say amen to that amen Amen. and uh so you look at that And we both love people, but there's times, and you may be a people lover, and I really do, but there's times you need a people-free zone, and so you can rest and relax. Jesus could handle stress because he knew when to relax. We see Jesus on a regular basis. What did he do? He went to the mountains, he went to the lake, and he went to the desert. Man, he covered it. He went to the mountains, he went to the lake, he went to the desert. God knows that our bodies need rest. God knows our, our, our soul, our mind, and our will, and our emotions need rest. Our spirit needs rest. Periodic breaks. He survives stress because I like this scripture. We, we never really talk about Matthew eleven nineteen. My dad's generation—they never ever talked about this verse. He was raised on a lot of rules and regulations, and there's been a bad, bad concept of Jesus put out there. I believe in our culture because it says—I believe in Matthew 11:19. Yes, there it is. Jesus came enjoying life. Somebody should have said amen to that. Jesus had fun. Jesus liked the world that he created, and he enjoyed the world that he created. Amen? Jesus had fun. He came enjoying life. We never have that picture of Jesus with a big smile on his face and Jesus laughing and Jesus just getting a kick out of things and a kick out of people and a kick out of the mountains and the lake and the deserts. Jesus came enjoying life. It was good. We put it out there, i got to live for Jesus, and i got to get this job done, and work, 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 and you better straighten up, and you better line up, and you better get your act together, and what in the world is wrong with you, and you call yourself a, Jesus came enjoying life, amen? Come on. Tell your neighbor, lighten up. Amen. Some of you need to get a life. Yeah, the life of Jesus. Yeah, we got this picture, no fun, Jesus, no fun. 1 Timothy 6, 17, the God, it says, has provided everything richly for our enjoyment. Richly for our enjoyment. You see, balance in life is the key to stress management. And I want to say, and I honestly believe, that Sunday worship experiences are a great stress reliever. How many would agree with that this morning? Amen? Amen. Sunday worship experiences are a great stress reliever. And the last but not least, and this is what Jesus is saying to you and me. He's talking about transformation. He says, give me your stress. Just turn it over, let go, take your hands off, quit clutching onto that, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. And this visual picture that they could see talks about the yoke and two cattle or two oxen and the wooden yokes and they're perfectly teamed together. So they're in unity walking together. And But Jesus gives us this picture. He says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, your mind, your will, your emotions. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We're here. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And one of the names of Jesus and titles of Jesus, and we sing about it at the Christmas season, the Prince of Peace. Allow the Prince of Peace to bring his peace into your life this morning. He didn't say, come to me and I'll give you more guilt. He didn't say, come to me and I'll give you more shame. Come to me and I'll give you more worries. Jesus didn't say, come to me and I'll give you more stress. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I'll give you more of a to-do list Come to me and I will give you rest. What is he saying? He says, I am the great stress reliever. I'll give you peace in a chaotic world. Yeah, one day he's going to set up on a throne. Amen. One day he's going to rule this world and there will be peace. But before that, he wants to rule in your heart, and in your life, and you can have peace in the chaos. Come to me and I'll give you inner strength. When you feel like you don't have any strength and you can't go on. You see, what he's saying this morning is I can transform your life from stressful to satisfied. I like satisfied. That sounds better than stressful, doesn't it? Amen. Let's stand together this morning. I want to read a verse to you this morning, two verses that I want you to use today as your action step. Okay, here's your action step. Remember this, write this down. The big idea today, I didn't say it. Stress happens, but you can be at peace under pressure. How many of you are making a choice today and you're saying, I wanna be at peace under pressure. I'm gonna do that. This Christmas season is gonna be a worshipful season, a peaceful season. There's demands, there's a lot going on, but I am not going to miss what Christ has for me this season. I'm not going to miss experiencing Him. Stress happens, but you can be at peace under pressure. Now, here's the action step. Well, I'm going to share that. Let's just sing this. Let's just, let's just sing this song, worship a minute, then I want to read this to you, this action step. And if you feel like, worship team, would you come please? If you were just would say, you know what? I'm experiencing stress. I'm under pressure. I can relate to many of these things. As we sing this, just raise your hand to the Lord right now. Let Him just begin to move in your life right now this morning. Yes, Lord. You may- Wonderful name of Jesus. Pray that you just calm our minds and still our thoughts. There's a lot going on in your marriage right now. Let the peace of God move in. And as you seek first his kingdom, his rule, his reign, his peace will take place. A lot going on in your family with your kids. Maybe in that career, and you're a business person, and man, you got the 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 quarter, and and the numbers have to be there, and, and, and the goals have to be reached, and you're giving in to that stress and pressure. Maybe the pressure of just this season, and you're looking at, well, there's these gifts, and I have to pay this, and I have to do this, or whatever it may be. Here's the words of the Apostle Paul, words of encouragement for us. Here's our action step for this week. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, believers. How many believers do we have here today? Believers. Yeah. He's speaking to us because this happens to us. This can take place in our lives. Finally, believers. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right, and confirmed by God's Word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them Implant them in your heart. I can do this. I can do this. Lord, you're gonna help me do this. I'm gonna take that step toward you. And then he says, verse 9, these things which you have learned and received, Paul says, and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. You've seen me, you've seen what I've been teaching, you've seen what I've been putting into practice, I've been living out Jesus Christ. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. Think on these things, put them into practice, and you're going to experience the peace of God. Amen? I don't think it's God's will we're stressed out, you? Where do you think that comes from? That comes from our actions and our missteps, but ultimately the enemy wants you living in unrest, the peace of God. He says that we could experience it surpasses all human understanding. Amen. Amen. The peace begins first of all in initially. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we ask Him to forgive us our forgive us of our sins and come into our life. We start that relationship with him. See, that's what Christmas is all about. It's not about we pull him out once a year, we set up the manger scene and we sing a little bit about Jesus. It's about he's an everyday Jesus and he can change and transform your life every day and change the course of your destiny in eternity. He came to be your savior. And it's a personal, personal relationship. If you're here today, and you like to start a personal relationship with Jesus, and you know you haven't done that, but you want to do that, raise your hand with me right now and say, I want Jesus in my life. I want to know him. I want the Prince of Peace to take my sin, and I want him to live in my life. Raise your hand with me this morning. As I look around, I'm going to give you this chance, this opportunity. Say, I want Jesus. Amen. Let's close in prayer. How many we are going to say, I'm going to take Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, and I'm going to read that, meditate on that. I'm going to put that into practice this week. I'm going to experience the peace of God. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You're the stress buster. You've shown us how. We can live, not controlled by stress, but we can manage. We can cope and we can be victorious and not a victim. And I pray over your people at a season that should be so joyous and so peaceful and so uh, full of celebration that at times we give in to stress and pressure. I pray that that would be gone in the name that is above every name. And I speak your peace into marriages, your peace into families, your peace into this holiday, this holy day, that we experience the Lord Jesus Christ amen and amen and amen god bless you have a great week let's see god do something in and through us amen jesus